notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Are you guys sniffing old newsprint or something? You think you really know what's happening around here, don't you? Well, I'll tell you something. You don't know shit, buddy. Yeah. You think we just work in a comic book store for our folks, huh? Actually, I thought it was a bakery. This is just our cover. We're dedicated to a higher purpose. We're fighters for truth, justice, and the American way. Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back on the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best left in the past. I'm Tristan. And I'm Greg. Week four of Vampiton, bloodsuckers. Vampiton Bloodsuckers. It sounds like a real classy BBC yeah. kind of series. I think it is. I think yeah. it is. What, what have we done so far? We've done uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. We've done Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We've done Interview with the Vampire. Mm-hmm. This week we're doing The Lost Boys. Yeah. Next week we're doing Blade. Yeah. And I guess that's it. The fan's choice, yeah. Blade. Fan's choice. There's... um. There was a bit of backlash for Near Dark. So fear not, fear dark fans. We will cover it at some point. Yeah. Oh, i gotta, I got to um, play the jingle. Bloodsuckers! I know where the bastard sleeps. In what language are you speaking? Uh, Lost Boys came out in the year of 1987. Yeah. What do you know about that year, Greg? Oh, well, you know, we've covered this year before. Um, Not much was happening because the world was getting ready for 88. Uh, Man, it's been a while since we've hit an 88, can I say? You you may say that. Uh, I can? Well, I did. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. In 87, not much was happening. But in preparation, I assume, for 88, well, let me let me bring this back. What's something that you're <laughs> going to do a lot of at Expo 88, Tristan? That's right, walking. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So True. the smart people over at Nike launched a shoe, a little shoe, in 1987, March 26th. Mm. Uh, I guess last year was the 35th anniversary. Oh, was it the Air Force One? Air Max One. Air Max One. Air Max Interesting. One. The little window into coolness. Yeah, that was a big fucking deal. Oh, man. I was an Air Maxman more than a Jordanman in my formative years. Yeah, I probably was too. Well, I didn't really I feel like I always had like the the knockoffs. Oh, yeah, Remember nice. that was a brand in Australia? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Oh, no, all Converse. I had Chucks all the time yeah. growing up. That's what I had. Safe. Yeah. Uh, I definitely had some Air Max. My first pair of cool shoes were Reebok pumps. Oh, yeah, I had Lynx pumps, I think. Um, which my mum brought back from – sorry, my mum's friends visited from Canada. Mum lived a couple of years in Canada when she was young, so she had all these Canadian ah. friends that would come out and visit and vice versa. And they would bring me shoes because back then you could get them for a fraction of the price and they weren't really accessible much here, were they? They weren't I didn't later. really know much about it. I always Not just thought the they were too expensive. I thought they didn't seem like a shoe I could get. Yeah. 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 Not that it was ever spoken about. It just seemed like, oh no, you can't, like that's, that that's some kind of fancy thing that yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I had some fancy shoes over the years, but I, I really can't remember. It's funny. Chucks are the ones that stand out the most. That was a pretty definitive shoe. It was. For me growing up. Was and is. It is. Still is. Yeah. True. You're still a Chuckman. Still a Chuckman, You're a Nike man. You're definitely an yeah. oh Nike. Oh sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, we're gonna say I'm an American. Oh, 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 I'm American. Nike. Nike. Well, you spend a lot of time with the good people of Nike. Yeah. Uh, so Air Max One was a massive sneaker it, for me. I had multiple pairs, and then I got that one with the wraparound bubble. Remember the bubble that went all the way around the back? Oh yeah. That was, Fuck, that's huge. Yeah. That's a big deal. They're re-releasing it apparently, uh, the Air Max ones. Apparently it went off for a while. I, I, I tried to get in the gym. It's very confusing unless you're a proper sneakerhead, mm. which I'm not. I've got some 97s and some 95. Air Max 95. They've got a decent size bubble. 
But MX1 had a quite a big bubble and apparently it was a little um, hard to work with. No structural integrity. I think so. But they've, yeah. they've overcome that, Tristan, with the technologies and such. Yeah. And they're re-releasing it this year, 2023. Maybe this is the anniversary year. Uh, these are facts that I probably could have found if I digged a little deeper. But here we are. Yeah. Go buy some Air Max. Buy some Air Max. I tell you <laughs> what, I don't know that I could rock them now. I'd feel like too much like a dad lay. Oh, no, but there's so many now. There's so many varieties. Uh, even the old ones, though, just so many cool. They're very versatile. They are versatile. Yeah. Actually, now that I yeah. remember it, we, I went on a uh, golf weekend with some mates late last year and one of, one of my mates wore Air Max and we went to a pretty, um, oh. pretty like, serious golf course and we were waiting to tee off and another bloke was like, oh, are they the new Air Max, like, golf shoes? So apparently they make a golf shoe that looks like Air Max. They do. That Jordan makes golf shoes too. Yeah. Um, and these, yeah, were, these are whole, just regular ones. Yeah. And my mate was like, no, <laughs> these are just regulars. And the guys were like, whoa, you're going to be you're gonna be slipping over there, champ. That's so fucking And he was like, yeah, I don't really care. But thank you. <laughs> yeah, we had a good time. But it was pretty funny. <laughs> There's a new golf show on um, Netflix, by the by. It's like the... F1 and the tennis one, they're going to golf one now. I'm a big fan of those uh, sorts of shows because I like I like to – I get sucked in by a narrative. Oh, it gives me skin in the love game. love a narrative. Yeah, yeah. Like I find it hard to get into sport because I'm not I'm not always paying attention, so I lose, I lose the narrative. So this gives you – But if you there's a TV show, it gives you – Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I recommend the golf one. I started watching it last night. I then flipped over to the uh, Korean bodybuilder. Damn show, <laughs> which is equally entertaining. What's it called? You the know 100? who would have liked that show? Joel Schumacher. Oh, Joel Schumacher would have loved it. <laughs> Mate, it absolutely. He would wasn't. Love it. He wasn't shy um, for a bit of oiled up uh, manliness, shall we say? You know my favorite Joel Schumacher fact that I read today. Yeah. Described himself as extremely <laughs> promiscuous, yeah. saying in a 2019 interview that he became sexually active at age 11 oh. and estimated that he had sex with between 10,000 and 20,000 men over the course of his life. Wow. Wow. So with that, big year 1987, big year for, for Nike, big year for Air Max, equally big year for movies, you may argue. Yeah. Uh, the year of Fatal Attraction, Ooh, yeah. Cop 2, D- Dirty Dancing, oh, I- Three Men and a Baby, Good Morning Vietnam, Lethal Weapon, Predator, man. Some pretty untouchable classics, including The Untouchables. Oh, nice. Wall Street, The Running Man, Masters of the Universe. Oh. There was a little film, Greg, about some boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, came in at number 38 that year. Were they lost, boys? You nailed it. Nailed it in one. 1987's The Lost Boys. You would have just heard it, but at time of recording, I don't even know what song I'm going to put in there because they're all bangers. Mm. Um, Lost Boys came out in July of 1987, budget of $8.5 million, gross of $32.2 million. Not bad, Romy, not bad at all. Mm. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores, critic score 76%, audience score 85%, critic consensus as follows, flawed but eminently watchable. Joel Schumacher's teen vampire thriller blends horror, humour, and plenty of visual style with standout performances from a cast full of young 1980s stars. Mm. Yeah, sounds about right, pretty much. I guess. It's it's eminable, all right. That's the first thing I was going to say. Mm. In my notes, I just wrote eminable. <laughs> was this a big one for you, Greg? I think this was a big one for you, right? It I think was. we had a similar thing here. Yeah. We haven't talked about it we for have. the record, but it, there's been allusions to yeah, we have alluded. memories. Um, we've eminently alluded um, mate, so. this was this watching this unlocked some deep member berries of oh yeah my you know probably pretty early early childhood. So yeah. my best mate uh, who lived around the corner, Clinton, uh, he had an older brother. We both had older brothers, but he was sort of my, he was older than me, like he was a year older than me. So he was kind of a little bit mm. ahead in in most areas in knowledge 
And so he was, he introduced me to vampires and the concept of vampires and that they're all out there. We, we believed that this was a pretty factual film. So we watched this and then we, Corey Haim, like many boys my age, was, was a hero. Uh, and we kind of followed the footsteps a little bit here. Huh. We both had chihuahuas. So we had them as our like guard dogs. Not quite as cool. Wait, so you consciously, you like, you actually played like. Well, we, yeah, we word. played this out. I like nicked garlic oh, and I like, I slept with garlic under my pillow for, I don't know, let's say a year. No, not a year, but it was. <laughs> but we, we, we were like, we were going through what we had to do. You know, we need to get a crucifix, had like some rosary yeah. beads. I had all the, I was ready to go. I was ready to rock and roll. Penny, my chihuahua, wow. she was about 15 at the time. No, she, actually, <laughs> she would have been about 10 then. She was still had some mongle in her. Uh, okay. And he had a chihuahua uh, called Smoochie. So Smoochie and Penny <laughs> were um, were good to go. Smoochie and Penny. <laughs> fuck yeah. Why did we both have chihuahuas? What the fuck? <laughs> His was long haired, so I think she was um, <laughs> Smoochie. Uh, um, yeah, that's my memory. Um, what about you? Something similar? Uh, <laughs> sort of different. 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 I think this might have been the first scary thing I saw. Yeah. Well, I was scared of things that weren't meant to be scary, like the Dark Crystal, but I guess this was more. Wasn't that meant? To, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I remember vividly because it almost scarred me, really. Uh, at my, mate's, my mate Jono's house down mm-hmm, the street, mm-hmm. similar scenario, no two hours, but... Um, often, you know, that's where, I, that's where I'd watch all the movies that I wasn't allowed to watch at home. Yeah. Of which this being one. And... Um, I remember, I think this was just one of those weekends where I just walked in his house as I used to do and he was already watching something and so I, I Sat on down. involved. Yeah, I didn't really know what it was and it was the Chinese food scene and it oh, fucked yeah. me up. Man. Did it? It really fucked me up. And I guess I saw other bits of it. I don't know if I watched the whole thing in that scenario, but it really fucked me. I think, um, you know, when we covered Jaws a while back, I was saying how the the hand, when they find the hand and there's some maggots on it, that really mm. fucked me too. You so don't it's like so maggots. interesting. That's what I'm, that's what I'm getting yeah, at. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it could be. I think we might have texted about this during the week, but it's interesting what you find scary as a kid and then you forget that you found It's almost like, why did I find that so scary? Mm. And then it makes me think, shit, when I have kids, I really have to think about like what is scary to them because I'm oblivious. Like, do you, Does Bruce mm-hmm. and Lola mm-hmm. have any weird things they're scared of that you wouldn't expect? Uh I think they're scared of the normal stuff. I think Bruce is a little bit scared. They're both scared of the dark a little bit, I think. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Fair enough. Yeah, nothing. Make no, them I, watch The Dark Crystal and let me know. I don't think they'd go for that. It's terrifying. But Lola's favourite movie is Jurassic Park. That's impressive, man. That's right, yeah. But then she's scared of other things, like on TV. I can't think of an example, but things that you probably mm. would go, oh, that's all right. Yeah. But then she's cool with Jurassic Park. She froths on it. Interesting. Jurassic Park, the old one, as she calls it. <laughs> well, she's right. Don't watch the new one because it's a stinker. Yeah, goddamn locusts. Goddamn locusts. <laughs> should have been. Should have been mosquitoes, eh? Fuck, it's insane. You have dinosaurs, man. Keep going. Anyway, anyway, should I get into the origin story? Yeah, of this picture? I'm doing it again. <laughs> origin story. This was written by first-time writers Janice Fisher. And James Jeremias. Ah, JJ. Uh, neither of whom have Wikipedia pages. No judgment. Didn't mean it the way that sounded. But I couldn't find much of them is what I meant to say. Mm. Uh, but Janice was a writer on Golden Girls and some other bits and pieces. Who wasn't? And James Jeremias did, yeah, apparently, right? A lot of these people that we talk about wrote on Golden Girls. And you know what? I said that's good pedigree. Great fucking show. Um, James Jeremias was involved in the sequels, those straight-to-video things, oh, yeah. which I'll touch mm-hmm. on a little bit later. Mm-hmm. They, they look pretty terrible. But anyway, uh, an independent production company bought that script for four hundred grand in 1985. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. 80, hey, that's a lot of money in 85. Yeah. I'm going to go out on a limb here and, and confirm that that would have been a record at the time. It probably was because um, Basic, Basic Instinct, Instinct was, a, was that big one. That was, that was a bit later. That was a millie, I think. That was like 90-something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, mid-90s, somewhere in there. For a meal. Um, anyway, Hollywood things happen. Warner Brothers gets involved at some point. And just in terms of, of I guess, where the name or and, the, and the concept came from, which is probably pretty obvious for anyone who's ever read 
or been exposed to any form of Peter Pan. Peter Pan! Is that it is basically Peter Pan, at least in its conception. It was, you know, compa- drawing that connection between the lost boys of Peter Pan and the lost boys of, mm. you know, teenage vampires that never grow never up. Never grow up. They just hang out on the on the boardwalk doing wheelies. Yeah. And, and it asked the question, what if Peter Pan was a vampire? And what if he was really just trying to get Wendy and the gang to convert and stay young forever with him? And... Eat brains. Oh, and blood, I suppose. And maggots. That was the concept. Uh-huh. And interestingly, uh, a big reference point for that script overall was the Goonies. Yes. Um, and there's definitely some Goonies energy in here. Absolutely. But in the original script, even more so. Uh-huh. And, and funnily enough, Richard Donner was originally set mm. to direct, director of the Goonies mm-hmm, himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stayed on as producer, but he, yeah, he had to drop out because he – when it made Lethal Weapon, I think. Dun, 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 dun. You might be thinking, the Goonies, they're, they're little kids. These aren't all little kids. Some of them are. Some of them are much older kids. What, what are you talking about, Tristan? Well, in the original script, they were talking about 13 or 14-year-old vampires, like the, the younger brother age, I guess. I think he's meant to be around that age. I don't know. Um, not, you know, handsome 18, 19, 20-year-old vampires, but kids, kid vampires. And the Frog Brothers were meant to be eight-year-old chubby Boy Scouts. Star was a boy, so there was no girl in it. And ultimately a family movie. Mm. But when Donna left and um, I think through like, uh, I don't know, his wife worked on something that Joel Schumacher worked on and Bish Bash Bosh, Joel Schumacher enters the building and he's like, I don't want to make a kid's movie. I want to make it sexy. I want to make it sexy. Exactly. Like a sexy movie. Like. Eight millimeter or falling down. Or Batman and Robin. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he just wasn't, he didn't want to make a kids' movie. So it's like, well, let's just make it. I mean, out of all the monsters, the vampires are the only sexy ones. So let's make sure we dial that up. Yeah. So he brought on writer Jeffrey Bram to adjust the script accordingly, uh, also from Good Stock, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Lethal Weapon 2. And just to really show how. All in he is on this thing. He gets the director of photography from Taxi Driver and Raging Bull. Oh. Michael Chapman. Yeah. Wild. Wild. That's why it looks so pretty. And um, I mentioned earlier there was a budget of $8.5 million, but originally it was meant to be about $20 million. And the studio actually made that huge budget cut because Schumacher had essentially, by the looks of things, really cherry-picked these Essentially pretty new faces. So there were no, aside from um, Diane Weist, there were no famous people in this, really. Kiefer Sutherland was not famous yet. Um, The Corys, this was their first movie together. They'd done bits and pieces here and there. But the studio was like, there's no star. Like, we're not going to spend $20 million on this. You can have eight. Um, And they say that that was a power move, more of a power move, and they expected him to change. And he's like, no worries, I'll make it for 8.5. And just kept going. Good on him. Good on him. Good on him. Um, so just in, just to touch on that cast because I'm going to forget the names later, so let's just get them all out now. Jason Patrick as Michael, Corey Haim as Sam Emerson, Kiefer Sutherland as David Powers, Brooke McCarter as Paul Harris, Billy Worth as Dwayne Stevens, Alex Winter as Marco Thompson, Diane Weist as Lucy Emerson, Corey Feldman as Edgar Frog, Jameson Newlander as Alan Frog, Jamie Gertz as, as Star... Bernard Hughes' grandpa, and last but not least, I've skipped a few, but last but not least, Tim Capello as saxophone player. Or um, you left out, <laughs> Nanook. Oh, yeah, the do- good dogs in this movie. That's one of my highlights. Mm. Anyway, Bish Bash, I mean, you, you, go, you, get these, you take these kids down to Santa Cruz. Yeah. You have a, a, a short argument with the local council and, and change the name to Santa Cara or whatever mm. it is. And um, Bish Bash Bosh, you go sell for movie, right? Party of the Viper Room. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's why they changed the name. That's right. It was, it was meant to be Santa Cruz, essentially. Yeah, and, then they, like, uh. and Santa Cruz apparently had a lot of serial killers, like yeah. just kind of randomly. And it was the murder capital. Yeah. And, uh, we don't really want to. And they didn't want to lean into that. Uh, they were like, please don't do that. And then ironically now they show Lost Boys every year or whatever in some sort of celebration. Anyway, let's play the trailer. 
Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. So where are you? The flying nun? I'm your brother, Sammy. Help me! Stay back! Stay back! What's happening to me, Star? Get yourself a good, sharp stick. Drive it right through his heart. You're a vampire, Michael. My own brother, a damn blood-sucking vampire. Oh, you wait till Mom finds out, buddy. When a vampire buys it, it's never a pretty sight. Michael McCoy! Oh, shit! A Richard Donner film. Yeah, I guess he produced. I noticed that in the opening credits too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess he just got a state on. I don't know how involved he was, whether it was just some negotiation that he gets his name in there. Yeah. Who knows? We'll never no know. We'll never know. Um, hey, Greg, what happened in this movie? Yeah, I'll tell you what we do know, Tristan. We talked about it last week or the week before, maybe both. Mm. And that's that life can be tough for teenagers or preteens or both. Yeah, column A, column B. Column B. And column A, uh, the occasional C. Mm. Take Sam Emerson, for example. His parents are recently divorced. His mum has just packed them up and driven them out of downtown Phoenix where he was thriving on the fashion scene <laughs> uh, and taken them to Santa Clara, Santa Cruz, Santa Clara. Mm. And they've moved in with uh, their colourful Grandpa. Yeah. He's got a certain way of doing things. His house is a bit spooky. It's into taxidermy and such. Yeah. Uh, to make matters worse, a couple of the local kids hand him a vampire comic and they're like, This could save your life. And he doesn't even like vampire comics. He's a superhero guy. <laughs> uh, but it does, in fact, turn out that Santa Clara's got vampires. Great. Terrific. And to make matters worse, your moody brother is falling in with the wrong crowd. You know, that Kiefer Sutherland crowd. Yeah, yeah, bad news. Wheelies on the bikes and such. Speaking of worse matters, your mum. She's just started dating the video store owner after like three days of being there. And he's not even Richie Rich's dad in this. (laughs) That probably would have made it okay, to be honest. Uh, But look. Aside from all that, things aren't that bad. You've got that cool Phoenix fashion. Uh, you've got an epic dog named Nanook and the Frog Brothers to get you through this. Yeah. And that's kind of the movie. Yeah. Fish Bash Bosh. Yeah. It's a film. It's a real film there. Oh, yeah. Did I tell you, Greg? I think I, I alluded to this on the gram when we, you know, announced this episode. But I didn't. I didn't tell you the full story. Basically, Ara, I was like, uh, to Ara, I was like, "Hey, I got to watch Lost Boys. You want to watch it?" She's like, "Yeah, sure." For the first twenty minutes, she thought it was a Peter Pan thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> nice. And she thought I said, "You know, they're vampires, right?" And she's like, "Ha ha ha." <laughs> she like fully thought we were watching like Hook or something. Was it? Was it like so right funny. at the end? She was like, "Hang on, wait a second. <laughs> and then she lost interest, I guess, mostly. Uh, unfortunately. But you know who didn't lose interest? This guy. I had a great time with this film, Greg. How about you? I loved it. Yeah, right? Loved it. Um, yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's fascinating because you know we talked up front about how we experienced this film as a you know youths, and it was a yeah. scary adult kind of movie. <laughs> yeah. It was an adult yes. movie, um, <laughs> but obviously it's not. It's just like this kid. No. It's a it's a kid movie with a little bit of spunk. 
Yeah. And it's, it is got Goonie peppered right throughout it. It is like a sort of, yeah, you know, R-rated Goonies in some, well, not even R really. It's just like. Well, it was R. It oh, was, was R. R. In the U- really? But I think R in the US is maybe 16 or something. Yeah. So maybe that's the same as MA in Australia. I'm not sure. Um, it was, it was a fun one. I had, I was so certain I'd watch this with, Carol, I thought we'd done this film, like I proper legitimately thought we had done this yeah. movie. For, so I must have sat down with Carol and watched it since we've done the pod or since we've started the pod, I should say. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, the things that sort of stick out when you rewatch a film like this is how old you are now versus yeah. when you watched yeah. it because yeah. I would have been younger than Corey Haim because he's older than me. Yeah. Was older than me. Um and so, you know, you start doing some maths and uh, you fearfully Googled Diane Weist and saw that she was younger than me when she played the mum. No, Yeah, really? she was like your age. She was like 38. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, so I'm older than the mother in this um, and Max, the, you know, the, the main How guy. How old was the grandfather? <laughs> <laughs> but Max was like 42 or 43, so, you know, a year or two older than me. Yeah, wow. Which is pretty freaky. That's nuts. Wow. You know? That's crazy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure a few of our friends listening are probably around our age, um, maybe mm. even a touch older, in which case uh, you're, probably, you're, old. you're old. You're probably like the same us. age as Max, the main vampire <laughs> dad. Uh, some yeah. of you might be older than the grandpa. Yeah. Wrap your head around that, people. That's what's happening to us. We're getting old because we ain't vampires, Tristan. That's a it's a good point, Greg. We're regular folk. We really missed the boat on that one. Uh, but I did have a very similar key takeaway there, Greg. Yeah, go which on. was this like I like I said, this was fucking terrifying as a kid. Yeah. And and I haven't watched it in a long time. Like probably since I was some form of still kid. So I was surprised to see just how camp it was like my my inner monologue before watching this was I always thought it was interesting how the guy that turned you know the Batman franchise into a kiddie cartoon also made this dark and gritty vampire movie that's like (laughs) intensely scary but now I see the connection yeah (laughs) but it's not connected to eight millimeter for you know you know he has his True, mind he does, does go to some things. dark places. But, yes. And to be fair, in this case, he took a kid's movie and made it darker. And then in Batman, he took, I guess, still a kid's movie, but made it much, much kiddier. So mm. I guess he just likes to bend things. Um, but I think for this movie, it's interesting because it kind of means like... What you say? <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. Um, so it's, it's funny because this movie is kind of simultaneously like a really scary kid's movie mm. and a really campy adult mm, horror movie. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think it's great to be with both those things. I agree. Uh, something for everyone. Yeah. Just enjoy it on, on different levels. Yeah. And how did you, how did you, how did adult Tristan process the maggot food boxes? Oh, those maggots. <laughs> maggots, Michael. You're eating maggots. How do they taste? Leave him alone. I thought it was hilarious. So that you don't have some sort of lingering trigger of maggot. So it yeah, was a I was. For you. It was interesting. It didn't. We didn't reopen any wounds. Again, similar with um, Jaws. The hand in that. I was like, that's it. It was a bit like that. I was like, okay. that's it. That's You've scary. outgrown it. Yeah. In saying that, though, one scene I didn't notice, and actually let me know if this was in the version you watched because I was looking at something before that suggested it was a deleted scene or maybe there was more to the scene that got cut. But when Kiefer Sutherland bit the guy's head, he bit into the skull, the back of the head. Mm. Did you see that? Was that in your version? Yeah. I think I read about it, but I don't remember watching I don't remember seeing it. Oh, it was something, man. Like, I mean, you I know, like that. most go for the neck, but he was like, fuck that. Yeah, like right at the top of the egg. I I dig that. That makes that's yeah. that's it's a bit scarier. You're not even going to go it's for aggressive. Because the neck's quite sensual, isn't it? But if he's just hocking into the back of the noggin, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because this film's like not gay, Greg. Not at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> more on that later. But um, yeah, a couple couple just higher level things. Um, like there are some weird leftovers in here. I guess from when it was about little kids. Because it's a little confusing as to what age 
Corey's supposed to be because he kind of gets like treated like a baby a little bit from the mum. Mm. But then she seems like a pretty cool progressive mum who wouldn't baby a 13-year-old. Well, uh, look, I might, might as well, it's a touch of a segue, so apologies. Okay. But it's probably the time just to quickly touch on her as a mother. Seg all the way. She, well, she's, oh, well, okay, you go first. I thought she was lovely. She's very lovely. I thought she was she'd be hotter than I remember. Maybe it's because she's younger. Oh, interesting. Maybe yeah, it's because she's younger than me now. <laughs> <laughs> I thought she was cuter than I remember when I was, when I was six. Um, pixie thing going on. Good on you, Diane. Yeah. But, you know, like she's not, she's not got the- I'm starting to see a type here. Sally Field, Diane Weiss. <laughs> What's the type? I don't know, mums. Mums. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. Probably. Yeah. Diane Weiss, she's struggled. She's she's kind of just treading water there as a mum. She's a good person, but yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe there's a discipline lacking. If you just go through a few other films, Parenthood. <laughs> yeah. You seen Parenthood? She's struggling there. He's got a teenage pregnant daughter. There's a lot going on. She's, she's treading water. It's not a connected universe. Edward Scissorhands. Oh, Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. She's got the daughter chasing over with Edward there. Uh, <laughs> but Edward's a good guy. Well, is he? Well, he's dangerous. He's chopped up a lot of things. Hands. He's chopped yeah. up a lot of things. He cut up his own hands yeah. when the guy made him for him. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, that was silly. That should never have happened. Um, so, you know, I just, good on her. You know what I thought was the real sweet touch? She's a lovely lady. But- was when they, when they got there. She said, "God, go buy those, go buy, go buy those kids some food." Or didn't she say something like that? Probably. There were those kids like rummaging through the rubbish. Yeah, she's got a good and, heart. And uh, she told she? her son to go buy them some food. It's that's delightful. She's lovely. I feel like I reckon she was used by her last husband. You know, he's not spoken. Yeah, she's of. too sweet. She's too sweet. She's vulnerable. So I would have liked to have seen a bit of empowerment for her at the end. With you know, maybe her stake in one of them, stake in Max or something. You know. Take a bit of control. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. That's a really good point. Give her more of an arc. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because she obviously, her kids were everything. So let her prove that by killing someone or something. Yeah. That's that's how you do it in the movies. Keep going. Speaking of some of the things you just spoke of, I did notice that this is almost Karate Kid with vampires in a lot of ways. Oh, go on, go on. So single mother, single mother takes, or two teenage boys ah, in this yes, case, to yeah, beach town. Yeah, uh-huh. While at the beach, runs into a, a yeah. blonde bully oh, yeah. with a girl that yeah. he likes. Yeah. Um, That's I don't great. Know, there's, there's less spinny kicks, but, um, you know, bish bash bosh. Could have done with a couple, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and instead of karate, it's, it's vampirism. And he becomes a vampire, but a good one. And they're bad vampires. So, you know, it's the same as Miyagi-Do versus uh, the other one. And finishes them with a crane kick. Cobra cry. Yeah. Well, that would have been a nice touch. That's all I'm saying. Who's the mentor? So, yeah, that's the only... Frog Brothers. I think it is, yeah. I think it's Corey Feldman. Hmm. Yeah. I like that, Tristan. That's great. Give yourself an astuteman. It's just not far. And I don't say this as a flaw. It's very astute. I don't say this as a flaw. I say it as a delight. (laughs) It is a delight. I was also thinking this is kind of my uh, – I'm trying to think why do I like this movie because I think it's very easy to po- uh, poke holes in this movie, let's mm-hmm. just say. You know, objectively speaking, there's a million reasons why this shouldn't work. Um, Name me one. And if you look at things in isolation, they you know, it, it feels vulnerable. But the whole package, mm. it's really something. And I think, you know, we've done a few vampire movies now and it, and it checks all the boxes. You know, what I loved about – uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula was the, you know, kind of felt like a fever dream. Mm, and this this is a very similar thing. Yeah. Uh, Buffy, while I didn't love the execution, I loved the idea of it and the self-awareness of it and the whole rooted in teenage life thing. Yes. So it's got that going for it. And, you know, it has the gayness of Interview with the Vampire. <laughs> so they're saying <laughs> this is the perfect melting pot of vampire trope films. I think films. it is. And also one thing I only just thought of while I was saying that yeah. was, um, you know, one of the big things we gave Bram Stoker's Dracula big credit for was sort of moving away from the campy history of I want to suck your blood mm-hmm. of vampires and, you know, that whole traditional take on it all. Mm-hmm. But this was before that and this was a whole new take on vampirism. It's teenagers yeah. and it's, you know, yeah, and that's interesting. 
I don't know if it gets the credit for that. Yeah, I think it's somewhat of a prototype, right? And now that's all you see with vampires. Teens. They're always kids now. They're always yeah. sexy teens. So yeah. you're welcome, Hollywood, from Mr. Schumacher and Donner, I guess his name's there too. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe even the, I guess, the the gay allegory. I don't think this, I, there's a lot of theories out there about this being a gay allegory. I think it's really just, it does a really great job of show, using vampirism to, I guess, be a stand-in for all kinds of teenage Angst. stuff, whether that's discovering your sexuality or whatever. Yeah. But I had a really considered. And it's vampire, so it's going to be gay to a point because that's what we've well, learned well, about these films. They're all a little homoerotic. Yeah, but I've only really learned that in the last few weeks. Correct. I hadn't really noticed that before. But I didn't know how big vampires, well, vampire, well, I don't want to speak for the gay community, but, but. it seems like they, <laughs> but I will. On, no, Pride, um, on Pride Week. Is Pride Week? I don't think so. I think it is here. It's like, it's like, oh. hang on, let me check. It's like um, Mardi Gras, but like the the world Mardi Gras or something. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, it's like oh, Super yeah, Mardi Gras. Oh, yeah, in Australia, of course, because you've got Mardi Gras. Yeah, but it's like this super one. <laughs> super. Interesting. Hang on. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's the, yeah, it's the Mardi Gras. Yeah, nice. But, yeah, just to close out that point, I, I, I think that's just one big thing I've learned over these last few weeks is that, oh, these vampire movies are actually pretty important to the gay community. Like there's some – Yeah. For an ostracised right. community for such a long time, there was a lot to, to work with there, um, uh, you know, to, to – to relate to, which is it's super interesting. It is. Very interesting. I, and this movie is no different. Well, do you know what? One of the, I guess, iconic moments is, you know, when they get turned into a vampire because it's usually quite sensual with a little neck nibble there, a la, yeah. a la interview with the vampire. Set the tone quite early in that one. This one they don't have that. Yeah. He just drinks the blood. So there's not that physical contact um, kind of moment. Yeah, that that is super interesting too. And more on that in a second because we need to. It does have the glory to... hole scene though. <laughs> well, wait, what was that? Oh, you didn't have that? It might have been in your outtake. <laughs> You're watching a porn parody. I am watching a porn um, parody. That's true, but also uh, I did think it was really interesting how, you know, they're obviously bad guys, but Michael keeps hanging around. So there's some kind of attraction there, some kind of, whether sexual or otherwise, you know, he's sticking around for something. I guess maybe the girl you could argue, but in any case. Uh, but it's a good point on the on the biting uh, because, you know, it's a vampire movie. We need to take a look at how this film tampers with vampire lore, don't we? And of course. that first point is a big one. It is. Uh, to become a vampire, you drink vampire blood and then you're half vampire and then your first kill turns you full vampire? Yeah. I didn't know this. Well, the, f- the first kill thing was in um, Interview with a Vampire as well, wasn't it? Because remember he said, oh, that was the last remaining part of my human. Remember she makes him kill for her? Right. He kills the lady. I I didn't know they meant that literally. Interesting. Yeah, because he's sort of holding on going back last week. The character Louis uh, is, you know, kind of purgatory. He's he's a vampire but he's not liking it but he's not having any human blood really. He hasn't killed anyone. Yeah. He has a little bit right. of suck here and there, but he's mostly living off rat blood and such. Right. And then he kills that lady for his daughter, vampire, at her request. Yeah. Because she's like, she, I need her to look after me. So he does it and then he's like, that was the last bit of my human. So maybe it's a thing. Yeah, interesting. I read that more as just like, you know, the uh, more of a poetic milestone. But mm. yeah, maybe it is though. But in in this one, it's a little bit different because he could still function as a human. It seems I'm not really sure where they draw the line with half. Yeah, and full. he was definitely less vampire than Louis. Yeah, but yeah, he would go, he could still be in the sun, right? He was wearing sunglasses, so there was some sensitivity. But he could go in the sun. Mm. Also, do you stop aging when you're half? Because maybe that's the hack. Just go half. Didn't look that fun though. He was having a bad time. Yeah, it's true. Like he was having. Well, a- no, he. He, he he banged the chick. <laughs> so we got that going for him. <laughs> and she's been half for some time, I guess. And that little kid, I don't understand what their plan was. Just hang around and be half for a well, while. Well, I think they were, I think they were work, trying to work it out. They didn't really know. I forgot he was even uh, in the film. The little kid? Yeah. 
Yeah, same. Even like during the leprechaun. film, I kind of forgot he was there. Yeah. <laughs> then he shows up again. His name was Laddie. And he ran down the stairs with, at the same time. She was like, Laddie. And the dog comes down the stairs as well. I was like, wait, there's a dog in this called Laddie? <laughs> oh, speaking of, back on the vampire law, dogs, dogs know. Yeah. Dogs know. But Get that's probably just true people. in life. Yeah, like Penny and Penny and Schmoochie, they they knew what was up. <laughs> Keep going. Um, we still got the classics like the steaks, um, garlic. reflection, garlic, all that kind of stuff, crucifixes, holy water, etc. Um, some interesting ones: bad breath and long fingernails. They talked about that was a very funny which, line in the film, by the way. <laughs> yeah, and um, while while that's not commonly. I guess, used in vampire films, it does link back to the origin of vampire folklore because if you listen to the uh, Bram Stoker's... Fairy palms. Fairy palms. uh, No, the misunderstanding of the decomposition process. So so in the origin of vampire folklore in Romania, it was, you know, they dig up a dead body and I guess they stunk. Their fingernails have kept growing and they're... You know, yeah, I don't know. There's something there. There's some linkage there, which is interesting. Mm. Uh, no mm. coffins, though. No coffins. Oh, yeah, they're hanging from the ceiling like bats. Um, killing the main one to solve it all. That's that's pretty common. Yeah. That's fair enough. Yeah. Um, this was a big one. You know, to have to be invited in, that's common. Yes. But what they do in this one is once you're invited in, the people in the house can no longer use any vampire things on you. Hmm. That's a big push from this movie. I mean. That's a, that's a big ask. Yeah. But then he's like, I didn't invite you in this time. Yeah. So you have to invite him in every time? What's the time lapse? Yeah. Well, this, exactly. That's the I thing. Come because back later that day? The invite them in thing is the ultimate trump card because that just means you just are safe at your home. What if you, what about when they ripped the ceiling off that car, or the roof rather, roof of the car? Yeah. What if that was a camper van where he lived? Yeah, where do you draw the line? Do you have to be invited in? Well, I would say yes. Yeah. It's my place of residence. Why don't they rip the roof off the, the house? Yeah, I guess residence is the thing. Mm. Maybe you have to have the deed. <gasps> the deed. Maybe it's the deed, Greg. Deed. I feel like that happened maybe in True Blood or something. Show, ut- deed. show utility bill. <laughs> yeah. We're going to need three, 100 points of ID. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got your Medicare card, but I'm going to need to see some mail with your name yeah. on it. And uh, then we can get this show on the road. And then you invite them in anyway. Yeah. Uh, Uh, uh. Blood suckers. So uh, what what I'm saying is, Greg, you having garlic under your pillow is redundant because either you didn't invite them in and they're not coming in or you did and the the garlic is rendered useless. Yeah. So you're an idiot. Well, the other guys got in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. How do they all get in at the end? I don't know. He he pushes him into the – the dog kills him in the garlic water. Oh, mad. Jumps up on him. I can't remember. He, yeah. I don't know why I can't remember that now. So it seems like in something the bathroom, I would respond to. And he gets out of the bath and then the dog Oh, yeah, dog yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember push. now. Oh, man. And he gets all like. Oh, oh. I'm melting. I'm melting. And Death by Stereo. Sorry? Death by Stereo. There were some great vampire deaths in this. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. Beautiful stuff. Do would have been a good vampire posse. The. Um, oh, yeah. Anthony. The pussy posse. Anthony. Oh. Ke- yeah, well, Anthony Kiedis and his guys in um, Point Break. This film reminds me of Point Break a little bit. You could merge them somehow. <laughs> I had that too. <laughs> I had, I had um, what? Karate Kid and a little bit of Point Break. Yeah, this, yeah. Yeah, because he's drawn to this guy. Yeah. He is. Like he Bodie. knows he's not supposed to like him, but he kind of likes him. Who doesn't? But who doesn't like a bad boy, Tristan? Yeah, get me on the back of that motorbike. I tell you what, though, I tell you who should have shone a little bit for her in this film, and they've got a bit of an alternative ending for you. Oh, yeah? Sax Man. Fuck yeah. Can I just say, Go. before before you get into that, mm. Greg, sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but can I just say what we're all thinking? Anyone that watched this movie this this last week is is also thinking this. Uh, Tim Capello should have done the halftime show at Super Bowl. <sighs> sorry, my breath just popped. <laughs> I took it away. I took the breath away. Man. Right? 
It just makes sense. It would be amazing. And do you know what? Whilst that might not happen, what could happen, because he's the saxman for Tina Turner. Yeah. Tina Turner had the most, you know, famous, iconic song in rugby league history with the best. Which has had a big resurgence, of course, by multiple covers, probably stemming from um, Schitt's Creek. Um, Yeah. But the song has had its time in the limelight again. What about what about we get Tina Turner out to perform at the uh, rugby league grand final, and Tim Capello does yeah. the sax with her? Fuck yes, man. Yes. I just don't know. You know, like I, sometimes you know we're marketers. Sometimes these things are a little obvious to us, but I assume that would be obvious to everyone. It should be. It's bloody obvious. Likes I mean, itself. let's be clear. This man, this man has had a, a tremendous impact on culture. Mm. This is not to this is not to say he hasn't done enough. All we're saying is there's more. 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 There can be a lot more. And if, if I was in events at ENRL, that would be my one I'd have one goal for the year. You know, you write your goals at the beginning <laughs> of the year. What do I want to achieve? I want Saxman, Tina Turner, grand final, on the stage, Winfield Cup stage. It'd be funny if you started that job and then like everyone has that goal, Greg. We're gonna <laughs> yeah. need you to come hey, up with something. Check else. out the new guy. <laughs> Talking about the <laughs> sax man for the final. <laughs> Add it to the pile. <laughs> but for this film, mm. there's a there's a clear role for him as our hero. He could actually be Van Helsing. Van Helsing. Oh, Van Helsing. And he kills <clears throat> vampires with his sax. He lures them like the Pied Piper off the boardwalk and then he's put a row of half- Saxes sticking out of the, like his his graveyard of all the saxes he's broken from playing and so hard, yeah. And they fall off the cliffs <laughs> and land on the on the sax and impale themselves on the and the saxes wooden saxes wooden saxes. It's like a snake, yeah. but it's a saxophone. And he just yeah. lures them with his sweet and his hip thrusting brings them in. <laughs> and, it's, it's, yeah. and they're I all and this. they're all following him. You're evoking some powerful imagery there, Greg, and I 100% endorse yeah. uh, this pitch. Story by Greg. Uh, it's flawless. It's very Thanks, One day. I do have to uh, – I hate to do this, mm-hmm. but I do have to um, – I do have to, I guess, what's the word? I have to offer up some corrections Okay, here. okay. Uh, because back in our Bodyguard episode, I think I – implied that Tim Capello played sax on I Will Always Love You and that's simply not true. As as much as that would make sense and is probably how it should be. Should be true. It didn't happen, unfortunately. I did do some reading up on The Great Man though and to my surprise there is no Tim Capello documentary per se, uh, but thank God for Wikipedia. Mm. And I was most interested to learn that, you know, he dropped out of high school at the age of 15 and, and joined the New England Conservatory of Music. But in his audition, he did not play sax. He played drums and keyboards. So he's a real music man. He's been mm. taking music lessons since the age of four. Yeah. Bish Bash Bosh, he's touring around the world with all kinds of people from Billy Crystal to Peter Gabriel and to eventually um, uh, Tina Turner. But he also had a heroin addiction for a while. Oh, yeah. I think like in the earlier 80s and quit cold turkey and turned to bodybuilding. Uh. And I think those results speak for themselves. I guess maybe he dabbled in fashion a little bit too because he liked to wear the underwear on the outside of the jeans. Yeah, he liked a tight. And it's a look he really stuck with and I respect that, you know. I respect that. Um, but he's toured with everyone, even um, Ringo Starr and the all, Ringo Starr's all-star band. Oh, like yeah? He, he's touched everywhere. His, his fingerprints ripple throughout culture from, from the Beatles to Tina Turner to Billy Crystal to the Lost Boys. I mean... Mm. If I wanted any kind of cultural legacy, that that's the kind of shit you know I'd be very very happy with. Oh, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's quite it's quite the legacy for many reasons. Should we talk about now that we're talking about sax band? I guess we should talk about the soundtrack. Oh yeah. Which can I just say? I feel like I I, I think you do it more than me, but I think overall we still probably don't talk about music enough. Mm. It, when it's obvious, we do. You know, like any um, uh, John Carpenter film, for instance, it's always like front and centre. But this movie is the same. Like the music is such a big part of the vibe mm-hmm. and there's so much Aussie music in there. Yeah. Like there's Jimmy Barnes and In Excess multiple tracks. I didn't even know they did anything together. Everybody shame. 
Makes sense. And it's fucking great. Makes sense. You got some doors in there. You got the doors. The doors was a big one. I think um, Schumacher thought, you know, if vampires were real, they would love the doors. I can't remember the full rationale, but he made that connection and I buy into it. Well, Jason Patrick is channeling. Uh, well, yeah, that's part of the casting too. Jim he looked Morrison a bit like him. There, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Um, Roger Daltrey's cover of, you know, Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Uh, mm. Wonderful, wonderful track. You know, have, did you ever see Ricky Gervais's band before, you know, that? Video that went viral a few years ago. He was in a very Bowie-esque type of band before he was famous. I don't think so. It would be very at home in this. Let me look it up right now. What? How have I never seen this? Yeah. He looks so different, right? That's I mean, he's obviously channeling Bowie. That was really meant to be just a passing comment in that I thought that song would fit right at home in this film. It but would, there you though. go, a little deep dive into Sienna Dan. It would. It really would. Great fucking music. Great music. A bit of synthy, piano, keys, there's something there. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. Uh, Ricky Gervais, uh, singer, songwriter, and uh, beloved comedian. Should we get into the verdict? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> what a lovely. Wait, hang on. Wait, we didn't even talk about. <laughs> stop the. Stop the. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even talk about the the main song. Oh. Um. What's a oh, fuck? Cry little. You were singing it last week. Yeah. There you go. What a song. Uh, many friends of the show want to hear Greg sing it, so, you know. <laughs> My voice is off. I've got, I got three issues. That's a shame. We'll save it for a live show one day. Yeah. We'll be our own opening act. We'll sing songs. Maybe more of a closing act, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. um, Cry Little Sister, Jared McMahon, under the pseudonym Jared yeah. McCann. McCann, McMahon. It's a really good track. I was listening to the soundtrack all day today. And it's really fucking good. And I really like, I mean, I think they did this upon reflection, but I, I can't be sure. But it felt like they took those songs and kind of made it into the score. Like it was that, that stuff like kept coming back throughout. Mm. Like, mm. I love when they do that. Yes, it was, anyway, it was well anyway. integrated, you might say. Great music. Let's get into the verdict. Mm. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the law. I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Huh? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Are there any big pieces that are just fundamentally outdated here? I mean, the closest thing, I guess, is mullets, but who cares? That's just the style of the time. This is an 80s movie, 80s going to 80s. FX, FX were good, hey, like pretty good. Yeah. For a very small budget. Yeah. Like the vampires look better than the ones in Buffy. Yeah. Yeah. The ones in Buffy just had a bit of like baking flour. They were, they were some of the face. worst. They were that, – that was high school project – Levels. I mean, Buffy, I didn't hate the movie, but out of all the movies we've done, that has been the most disappointing from a vampire movie. Point honey, honey purr. Um, representation, Bechdel test, um, this does not pass. No, Santa Clara is, uh, no. There's one chick there, yeah. Um, race, Bechdel, same deal. All white. Mm. Did Simpsons do it? I'm going to say yes. They do do it in one of the Treehouse of Horrors ones, but I think it's a lot of various vampire movies referenced, um, including The Lost Boys and most of the movies we've been covering, (laughs) Bram Stoker's Dracula, et cetera. Um, But there is a lot of fan art of Bart Simpson as Kiefer Sutherland, which is interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, in like 24 and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as a vampire. Yeah. Ah. Look, okay, mixed results there, but you can't. I think the cultural legacy here is undeniable. 
Uh, all the thing for all the reasons we said a big a big fresh take on what vampires even are or can be and being younger and sexier and etc cetera, etc cetera. beautiful beautifully shot beautiful costumes beautiful all of those things are great mm. and you know it almost it breaks my heart that um Schumacher actually tried to make a few sequels and I mean they made some shitty straight to yeah. ones that he was not involved in he wanted to make a prequel it would show the origin of Kiefer and the boys. Ah, David. And then eventually he wanted to make, and that, that never happened. Kiefer was involved. The guy that wrote Near Dark was involved in that, actually. Oh. Didn't, didn't happen. You got all the ingredients. And then later in the 90s he wanted to make Lost Girls, which would be a sequel, and Kiefer would be back because you didn't really see him die. Mm. You know, he didn't explode mm. or anything, right? He just kind of. Just chilling was, on the antlers. Yeah. Uh, but that didn't happen either, and instead we got some shitty um, shitty sequels. So, you know, the legacy could have been even bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all in all, this is a massive rewatch for me, Greg. How about you? Absolutely, absolutely. Something for everyone. Get the kids over, you know, make some popcorn. <laughs> some rice and noodles. Yeah. Yeah, it's a rewatch, man. Full show. Oh, and uh, how have we gone this far without saying it, like cultural legacy-wise, this has to be – Obviously, Stranger Things draws on a lot of 80s stuff, but this has got to be the most Stranger Things-ish thing we've covered so far. Probably. Goonies and this. This and Goonies. Yeah. Like, this could be a Stranger Things season. It did. You've got the younger kids and the older kids. you got the humour and the actual scariness. Like, it it is all of the above. I did think that. Stranger Things, obviously, is is very much a, a... dotted line legacy item from this very film. Yeah. So there you have mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Do you have an MVP? Uh, the dog. I like Corey Haim. Yeah, Corey Haim was good fun. He was a cool kid. Yeah, yeah. I might give it to Kiefer. Okay. He makes a really good vampire. He does. And you know what? I've never been a big Kiefer man and I'm really? now wondering if it's, if it's is it because of this movie? Have I just always been a bit? Stand By Me was my Kiefer scary. I think he's scariest in Stand By oh, Me. Oh, man. And that was his first big role yeah, before this. He was a scary dude. He was such he was a so much older than us. Asshole. Yeah, 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 yeah. He had a flick knife. Yeah, a real one. Real one. Ah, <laughs> uh, what are we doing? Oh, Blade. Next week we're doing Blade. Man, Blade would have chopped the shit out of these guys so quick. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Um, and you know, also we're going to be announcing a new miniseries soon, but we will have a special episode in between mm. as we're hitting our. Either one hundred ninety ninth episode or two hundredth episode. We're gonna we're gonna revisit one of our most iconic films that we've covered. So more on that later. Before we get into our next mm, series, mm, more on that later. More on that later. We're gonna do fans' choice again because that was fun. And uh, yeah, looking forward to many more miniseries this year. Beautiful. And uh, so until then, leave a review. Tell your friends. And take care of each other. Uh, yeah, I was ready for Take care yourselves and each other. That. You know, especially with the vampires <laughs> and such. Yeah. I was I'm all over it. <laughs> Bye. Bye. All right, we are excited about this next interview. Renowned sax player Tim Capello is with us this morning. You know him from the Lost Boys. You may recognize, of course, the physique as well. He's playing tonight at Record Archive. Good morning to you. Oh, man, nice to meet you. Uh, it's nice to meet you as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're here. And I was just telling you, I, I saw Warren Stories on Netflix recently, uh-huh. which you were featured in. Um, let me just start there because sure. it, it's it's become an iconic piece that people recognize you by. Uh, talk about kind of the history of your cod piece and with, with, with Tina Turner, which, I mean, you can't even make up a story like that, right? I, I couldn't make up a story like that, and that was Tina to a T. Yeah. She would always surprise you. If you don't mind, I'm just going to stand up please, and show everybody you show what everybody. a cod piece is, okay, from the side. I had to explain it to front. people yesterday. Okay, it's right around yes. this area here. I don't want to make too much of it, no. but... I do want to say that Tina was walking. She loved to shop on the days off. And we were in Europe. uh, And a lot of the high-end 
clothing stores yeah. are right next to sort of casual sex shops and stuff in, in Berlin. Yeah. So she's got her whole entourage. She stops dead in front of this sex store and goes, <laughs> that codpiece, Timmy. And she ran in yeah. and she bought it for me. And she came to rehearsal and she said, in this great way she has, yeah. about it's so friendly, yet it's, you know she's the boss. Yeah. She just picked this thing up and she said, you're wearing this from <laughs> now on. 